0: Amen. god bless you, brother. thank you well no pressure right <laughs> i uh, yeah only asking for miracles well I can tell you that I have uh, repeatedly this morning asked the lord for that power uh because uh it is not by might nor our power but by his spirit that God operates in our life I'm fearful that our churches have uh, Determined that programs and uh, and efforts, human effort, can turn uh, the tide and make us powerful, and uh, therefore uh, we we do all the things that, and I put in in parentheses or emphasis the word things we quotation marks we we do those things but things just don't accomplish the power of God yes. and what we must understand and, and I and I think I'm beginning to understand <laughs> finally in my life is that void of the power of God the very best you can do is miserable mm-hmm. and it's pitiful and it's worthless basically worthless and so I want that power I, I sure do um, you know my my heart is uh, really heavy as an evangelist i uh, the last 7 years i've traveled about 36 weeks uh, between 36 and 38 weeks a year and uh, i do not see our churches doing too well uh for the most part we are i say we and i'm identifying as baptists uh we are in attrition our numbers are going down uh, around the country uh we, we seem to major on minors and, and minor on majors and there seems to be so much debate, uh, much like our country. If you've followed the last few days, we're, we're divided right down the middle. Uh, we are just about as bifurcated as a nation can be. And uh, and that is uh, that is taking place to a large degree uh, in our churches, and I think that largely the problem is that, and I'm going to say some things about that this week, is that we really do not know too much about this book. Uh, uh, I I have uh, been doing some research. I I did a meeting at a, a national meeting, and I preached on Psalm 78. Asaph was uh, the chief musician for David and what a job he had. His job was to create music and then that music was performed in the holy place. Uh In other words, it was there to honor God. I mean, God is our audience and our music and, and, and so that was his job. And in the 78th chapter, out of just absolute... um Frustration. You see him say, we just have not passed down what we believe to our young people. That's what he says. He says we haven't passed down the message. Here's what I can tell you that uh, a book maybe five, six years ago says that we're losing 85% of our young people upon graduation from high school. They're leaving our churches. I think there are multiple reasons for that. But I think one is just what the preacher hit on this morning, and I didn't intend to talk about this, but I'm going to spend a moment, if, if you'll allow me, is that we try to push the influence of the church and the home on the young people, but we have not raised them up to see the power of that influence. And uh, I talked my son, is uh, he'll be 48 soon, and he said, Dad, I think what's happened is the young people have heard you guys preach all this and push your influence and then they've gone on Facebook and seen how you live. That's not too good, is it? Now my son wasn't saying that about me. He was saying that about the general population. We 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 simply need the power of God this morning, don't we? We really do. Our churches need to see it again. And, uh, and one of my messages that I'll bring this week, I, I talk about how we can get that power. I go back to the book of Acts and say that there's some things that we need again. We need again in our churches. And I'll, I'll be talking about that, uh, some this week. Would you take your Bibles this morning and, and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number four. If one of you guys would get me one of those music stands, Preacher, would you allow me to come down? I'd, I'd like to just come down and maybe talk to you a little bit this morning about something that I'm seeing around our country that has troubled my heart. And that is that um, our churches are, are not very... Uh, that's all right, yeah. And can, let me see, will that pull up? Our churches are not very faithful. Our people are not very faithful. You say, why do you say churches? Because when I say churches, you say, how can a church be faithful? The church, you are the church. We talk about the church. We're not talking about brick and mortar. We're talking about the body. We're talking about the local New Testament church. And we're not very faithful. Like I said, we're in attrition around the country. Here's what I'm seeing when I walk into most churches, and by the way, I felt a really good spirit here this morning. I enjoyed the, the music, and and that's all been good. But what what I see around the country is that if a church runs 100 on Sunday morning, they'll run 50 maybe on Sunday night, and maybe 25 on midweek service, maybe. And I'm seeing this around the country that. If I have an off night and I need to find a church that's open it I have to work myself to death to find a church that has Sunday night services anymore now can i can I just say this to you? Here we are, I believe in the last days I believe we're in the last days of the last days. that's my opinion and and we're we're definitely in perilous times, whether we're in the perilous times of the scripture, we could debate that I mean we could argue about that. But things are kind of rough out here right now. Anybody can say amen to that, right? I mean, things are rough. I mean, we're living in a really difficult hour. And here's the, here's the reality. We need more of the things of, Lord, of the Lord than ever before. Not less. As we see that day approaching, when Jesus is going to come, uh, that day is a day of perilous times. Peril- you, you, you don't need a, a Greek lexicon to look up that word. I mean, perilous. It, it says it: peril, danger. And we're in those times. And and if, if ever we needed him, uh, the help of the Lord, it's today. Yeah. And yes, we, and yet we're fleeing from that. We're we're becoming. Uh, Sunday morning only. I remember when I went to New England in 1974, preacher, I I uh, did a, a little trip ahead of starting our, the work that God led us to start there in Massachusetts. And I noticed that when I got into the area, every sign, including the Baptist churches, said 10 a.m. That was it. You either came at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning or you didn't get it. Yeah. And then I learned quickly after going there that on Sunday... Uh, I mean, in the summer, on Sunday, uh, they would combine all the churches together, and one unlucky preacher had to stay in town for the summer. And he would take all the denominations and teach them. And uh, there there weren't any churches that were having Sunday night or midweek. And we began to uh, enjoy the blessings of God and see the church grow, and people began to take notice. They were taking notice because there was a church open on Sunday night. And there was a church open on Wednesday night, and we we even got delegations. We had a delegation from the Roman Catholic Church come and ask us, how are you getting all these young people? We were open for business, amen, and preaching the Word. And, and then we had uh, the local American Baptist Church. Now, you understand American Baptist, uh, women preachers, uh ordained homosexual preachers and so forth and they sent a delegation and said uh, we noticed that your church is growing would you mind coming and being our pastor and I said uh, I knew the guy by the way who came to see me and I'd met him before saw him the uh, uh, go out in the back room to light up And so I said to him Well I said let me think about that uh, The first Sunday would you allow me to preach on smoking And being a member And he said uh, well, well you would preach on that in the church I said absolutely He said I withdraw my invitation <laughs> <laughs> Boy do we need faithfulness Amen now I want to I want to go to 1 Corinthians 4. What time uh, we're done at a quarter Tim. All right, so I'm going to hustle here. I, but I felt Lord uh, felt led of the Lord to remark as I did this morning. Uh, we we are really in in need today as believers. Uh let me just read verse 1 and and I'll I'll comment on the other verses. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Father, bless this time now and use me, speak through me to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the book of First Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1 says that uh, there needs to be in the life of a faithful believer, and that's what verse 2 says, that it's required in stewards that we be found, and that word is faithful. Say it with me. Faithful. And God says that's what is a requirement for each of us. And he begins by saying that there needs to be in our life accountability. Accountability. Let a man so account of us. In other words, let a man take account of how we're serving. Now, now I understand the argument that follows here. And the argument that follows is, it's a small thing to be accountable to a man. It is not saying that it is not a necessary thing. But it's a small thing in comparison to being accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? But let me say this. If we cannot be accountable to man as we're being led and directed and taught the Word of God, we certainly will have problems being accountable to Almighty God. And so he's saying it's a small thing. Yes, it is. But it's a necessary thing that we learn accountability. Now, I rode with uh, the police for 15 years as a police chaplain. I wrote the uh, the SOP for the police department's chaplains program in Tampa and, uh, and set up the training program for our chaplains. And so I, I was with officers all the time. I saw the current trend coming way back then when officers were being looked down at, and now just this week I think there's been eight or nine uh, policemen shot, I don't know, two of those I think died, some of the others are in very bad condition. And all across the country, uh, you can hear the liberal crowd chanting and saying, kill them, and and you can see football players wearing socks that uh, depict them as pigs. And, and, uh, and I'm telling you, there is a lack of authority in America today. Amen? Now, hear what I'm going to say. Uh, that lack, uh, that lack of authority really needs to be talked about here today because here's what I hear from Christians everywhere I go well these kids today can I remind you who raised those kids uh-huh. there you go mhm yeah i preached at a huge youth rally last year in indiana and we had a number of kids get saved i think 8 8 or 9 kids got saved and and i, I started with an apology to the young people I said, I want to apologize to your generation on behalf of my generation that we barked at you like a seal, but we didn't, we didn't gird you up and ground you in the Word of God so you know what you believe and why you believe it. But I said, that does not change the fact that we've got some problems and we need to get our hearts right with God and we need to get settled in some things and one of them is that God has authorities in our life. Amen? Now, I may not get much farther than this, but let me just say, the policemen are our authority out in the community. Come on, help me here. Yeah. Mom and Dad, you are an authority at home. But, but you are not to abuse that authority, provoking your children to wrath. Understand what I'm saying? Teachers, they're an authority uh, in, in their profession. Preacher, he's an authority in the local church. You say, really? Well, listen, if I read Hebrews right, he said... That we are to obey them that have the rule. That's a pretty strong word, uh, the rule over you, for they care for your soul. The purpose of what they're doing is is to help perfect you into being the child of God that you ought to be. I I used to have associates say, well, if I was a preacher, I wouldn't do it that way. And I said, you don't know how bad I'd like to make you the preacher right now. (laughs) I'd like to let you have this sometimes, but I have to do what God has called me uh, to do. And so there's a great need for accountability. He said, let man account of us. Uh, One of the things I've done in my life, and I extend this to your preacher right now, I say to preachers all over the country, listen, if you see Brother Turner veering off the track, don't just talk about me, call me. Or come better yet, come and sit down with me and slap me across the side of the head and say, what in the world are you thinking? We need accountability, amen? We need accountability. We need someone to love us enough. We need an old-fashioned evangelist like Bruce Turner to come in and kind of shake his jowls at you a little bit and say, folks, do you do you get this? Do you understand where we're at here without everybody being mad and throwing songbooks at him? Amen? We need, we need to be reminded of what God expects in our life. Now, he uses two words here, powerful words. One is the word minister, uh, which really just means uh, that we're servants. We, God's given us the job to minister to you or to serve to you of the things of the Word of God. I take that very, very seriously. I was up at 5 o'clock this morning and praying and, and asking God to anoint today and make it more than just a meeting. I mean, I can get meetings. I uh, th- Every meeting I have... Uh, is by word of mouth. I don't write people or call people. But if I wanted to fill my schedule, I think I could do that by getting on the phone and filling in the blanks. But I don't do that I, because I want what meetings I have, I want them to be God-ordained meetings. Yeah. And then I want them to be god uh, Uh, anointed meetings, so that he will have his way and his purpose in them, and that I'm just an instrument. As he said this morning, I'm just a minister. And then he uses the word steward. I love this word because it means one who takes care of the affairs of another. I was on Nantucket Island when I was about, mm, I don't know, maybe 22 years old or so. I don't know. I'm I'm almost 69. My memory's starting (laughs) to... You know, I don't remember those years quite as well as I used to remember them. But anyhow, I remember knocking on this door and I said to this guy, Whoa, what a house. I said, This is a beautiful house you have. He started laughing at me and he said, you kidding? He said, This isn't my house. He said, I'm the steward of this home. The man who owns this home has ten homes around the United States. And I said, and so what's your job here? He said, well, I can tell you very, very simply what my job is. He said, he might show up at any time. So my job is to keep this place ready in case he shows up today. It has to be in tip-top shape because if the master of this place comes home, it needs to be ready for him. Well, that's what our job is, right? Yeah. Keeping the house of God in our lives. Come on now in our homes in tip-top shape. Because Jesus could come back today. Amen. Yes. Accountability. Now there's a second word here, uh, second thought here, uh, and, and, and we'll skip around a little bit for sake of time. Notice verse six. And these things, brethren, I have in the figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. Now look here. The church in Corinth was having some real problems. Super problems. You know, there was incest in the church. Do we all remember that? There, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, there, there, there was incest. The problem was that when that sin was rebuked, it caused some to just puff up. Just to become full of pride and to defend their position. Now, let me just say to you, there, we're living in a different day. I've been preaching, this is my 51st year of preaching the gospel. I started on full-time staff in 1967 as a music director and youth director at First Baptist Church of Brookville, Indiana. I then went to Bible college and served with, uh, with uh, Dr. Bill Sears as his assistant while I went through college. And so I've been serving the Lord since I was a 17-year-old boy. I can tell you the church that I saw then and the church I see today are not the same. Mm The church I saw when I was a boy is a church that when they had revival meetings, people would tear out of the seat and hit the altar. If the Word of God hit their heart, they would deal with it, and they would do what God commanded them to do, and there was repentance, and, and, and godly sorrow worketh that repentance, and they'd come to the altar. But I'm telling you, there's, there's a spirit in America today. It's a protective spirit. It's a shield we put up using pride. And we say, yeah, but, but I'm not as bad as some people. And, and, and what about the other guy over there in the church? And what about this person? And you know what? This revival meeting ought to be about this week. It ought to be about you. Amen. It ought to be about me. It ought, about, it, it ought to be about whatever God says connects in our heart. And we have enough humility to say, Lord, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to assume things. I was just telling a preacher a while ago, I think I'm going to write a book entitled Assume Nothing. <laughs> no, I had people come up to me after meetings and say, uh, were you talking to me? Oh, yeah, I know you very well. And I know exactly. Really? I don't even know your name. I don't know where you were born. I have no idea where you went to school. I don't know if you're living for God or not. I'm just preaching the word. And and I'm I'm, I'm just old-fashioned enough to believe that if the shoe fits, just wear it. Amen just just accept what god says to you just allow the spirit of god uh, to minister to you and when he does and when you you have sorrow for your sin and re- you repent of that what a great feeling there is in your heart when you know things are right between you and the lord amen, amen. Uh, uh my son he he was always the easy one to discipline my daughter <laughs> not so bless the lord she's she's uh, just had her 43rd birthday and she's the sweetest lady and has a great family and has raised up four kids to love the Lord and walk with God. And I'm thankful for that. But she was a terror when she was nine. Well, she had she had asthma and she was on some very strong asthma medicines and they made her very hyper. And boy, I, I, one time I was dealing with her and she raised the window and she said, Somebody call the police! My dad's beating me! I pulled the window down and said, he hasn't, but he's thinking about it. <laughs> he is definitely thinking about it. You know, we, we, our old sinful nature immediately wants to protect ourselves. Why? I, he must be, I don't know what's wrong with that preacher. Why would he say things like that? Listen, I just, I'm praying, Seriously. I've been praying. I prayed again this morning several times. Lord, would you just allow your word to have free course Amen. in our hearts today? And, and, and if it hits us right uh, between the eyes that we would just have enough humility to not puff up and get proud and fight it. You know what James said? He said, where, where do all these wars and fightings come from? And then he said, I'll tell you where they come from. They come from these old fleshly members they come from the lust that carry on in our body. And part of that old fleshly attitude is to try to protect ourselves by looking at someone else and saying, boy, I hope Brother Jones got that. Is there a Brother Jones here? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Brother Jones? He's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's one of them. Okay, Brother Jones, I hope you get it this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. I hope Sister Smith gets this. Do we have a Sister Smith? Oh, good. I'm in good shape there. <laughs> we we need some humility. You, you know what humility is? Can I tell you, Can I define it for you? The word to be humble means to be pressed down, pressed down. You know the modern movement of worship is ah, you know, and everybody with their eyes up to God and dancing back and forth. The idea of worship in the Scripture is that when you see God for who He is, you see yourself for who you are and it presses you down. It puts you on your face. You get on your face and you worship God because really when you consider God, we don't look very good. Somebody else say amen right there. We don't look so good. That's humility. That's humility. I had a... I was somewhere where a preacher was preaching, and I really didn't like this preacher. Now, when I say I didn't like him, it wasn't, i you know, I'd go up and greet him, no problem. I'm just talking about it. There was something about his character that bothered me in the way he said some things. And, and, and so I sat down in the pew, and and I said, oh, brother, this guy's going to preach today. <laughs> And that was my pride. And boys like the Lord smacked me right beside the head and said, just shut up and listen. He might actually say something that you need. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry, and I I will listen. I'm going to do even more than that. I'm going to take notes, which I try to do when I hear preaching. And so I listened. And he was talking about prayer, and he hit an area of prayer that I knew I was deficient in. And I said, really, Lord, you want me to go up to the altar now in front of this guy? I don't like this guy. And the Lord kind of slapped me against the head again and said, get up and go to the altar. This is between you and me, not you and him. And I got up and I went to the altar and I confessed my sin and God cleansed my heart. And you know what? It not only changed my heart about my stand, it changed my heart about him because what he preached helped me. Mm, amen. Isn't that good? Amen. We need some humility, amen? amen. And then lastly, in in verse uh verse let's just drop all the way to sixteen, I guess. He said, Wherefore I beseech ye be ye followers of me. But in verses 11 and following, he's talking about them being hungry and thirsty and naked and buffeted and being beaten and reviled and defamed. And, and boy, they were just being really mistreated. By the way, mark this down. This week in the Supreme Court reviews, in the Senate Judiciary Committee, we are beginning to see just how hostile some are against anybody who has any kind of religious belief. I'm telling you just, and this isn't Democrat-Republican. Do, yes, don't, right. don't take me there. Right. Do not take me there. I'm just telling you, if you're listening to the media right now, they think that if you believe that abortion is wrong, you are a kook. They believe that if you believe there's a man and a woman and not it's. Come on now. They believe you're crazy. And they believe that you're so biased and prejudiced. And I'm telling you, that so-called tolerant crowd has become really intolerant. Standing in the hall, spitting on people, yelling at people. Come on now. I just mark this for you. I, I don't worry for me. I'm close enough to the other shore. I am. I'm close enough. I know I, I saw a, a specialist recently and she looked me right in the face and she said, you do know, uh, pastor, you probably will die young. And I said, well, I'm okay with that. I can just tell you this. That's God's decision, not yours. But if that, if he calls, I, I, I want you to know I am very ready to go. But you know who I worry for? I worry for my grandbabies. Who's beginning to see a generation where you can believe anything you want. You just can't express it. You can't talk about it. You can't say, well, I believe it's wrong for two men to be together intimately. I I think it's wrong for two women to be together. I believe it's wrong for a man uh, to go out with a woman that's not his wife. Come on. If you believe those things, you're a weirdo today to most people in this society. I'm telling you, the day is going to come when it's going to be tough to serve the Lord. And the pressure is going to be immense. And I have a question for you. If we can't handle the pressure now, how, how will we handle it then? Yeah. Is that a fair question? If our churches are folding all the time now because of the pressure, how how are we going to handle it then? If if we can't it, listen, my experience over the last seven years—you don't know how many churches I've gone into on a Sunday morning uh, where they had just had a split the week before and went right down the middle, and half went this way and half that way. If we can't deal with each other now in a biblical fashion, how are we going to deal with a world who's trying to take us out? Yeah. Yeah. this make sense he said we need to be found faithful we need to remember that we're accountable to God we need to remember that we need to have some humility and that we bow before the presence the power and the preaching of God that we do what God commands us to do and that we That we have a spirit of stickability. That we're not going to quit. That we be good soldiers of the cross. Enduring hardness as good soldiers of the cross. And I'm telling you, we need some good soldiers today. We need some young people. That will make up their mind. Not because of the influence that preacher talked about this morning. But because you have seen the power of Almighty God. You know you cannot turn your back. On him. Amen. May God help us this morning. May I tell you I am thrilled to be here. May I tell you I have prayed about this meeting. I know that I have God's direction about the messages for this week. I can tell you I will be faithful in the word of God all week. I will tell you that I'm available to your preacher. And to this church I'm here to be your servant in any way I can be this week. And I want you to know. That I come here with no predetermined ideas. I haven't called your preacher to find out what's going on so that I can have some juicy things to preach about. I've come here to be a blessing to you by the grace of God. Last week I preached in Texas. I went there to be blessed and God used that church to bless me. I'm going to try to bless you through the preaching and I hope you'll bless me by being here every service. And that together, you being blessed and I being blessed... We can bless the name of God. Amen. Thank you.